Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Filmed during the culminating months of the acclaimed singer-songwriter's most rigorous year of touring, Andrew Bird crosses the December finish line in his hometown of Chicago. Feverish and on crutches from an onstage injury, he is suffering the hazards of chasing ghosts of inspiration. We're joined today by the director of the film Andrew Bird Fever Year, Zan Aranda. Zan has uh, directed a number of other films, including a project that we'll get into, she's working on now, which sounds fascinating <laughs> to me. Uh, and we'll, but uh, for now, we're going to talk Andrew Bird Fever Year. Zan, welcome to film school. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, what a wonderful uh, um, documentary on on the work of um, someone who is an interesting musician and person uh, in, in in his work and in his life. Tell me a little bit about um, how you came to know Andrew, and then the the sort of the rationale for going forward with a uh, a documentary about him. Sure, yeah. You know, we've, I guess a, a year ago marked 10 years since we met um, in Chicago just through a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the years, had worked on projects together, including um, two music videos that I produced for him, his very, two, his very first two music videos. And then I did live show projections for him in 2007 and 2008 touring. Um, and those were curated from short films made from um, a variety of American short filmmakers. Um, and I'd gotten to know those people actually through a small nonprofit I founded in Chicago, um, on which Andrew was uh, Andrew was on the board of of the nonprofit. And we used to do ongoing screenings of short films, so we just curated from there some great matches for his songs. So, um, in terms of just sort of the timing of it, uh, this was this mm-hmm. just happened to work out for both of you this particular year. Is it is it 2011? What year were we actually filming of him? It's actually 2009 Nine. and into um, 2010. Um, so the he asked me to make the film summer of 2009, which was halfway through what we regard as the fever year, but there's still plenty of fever to spend for <laughs> yeah. the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, it was a commissioned piece. He, he said, you know, we have these two shows at the Pabst Theater in Milwaukee at the end of the year. I, he said, I think that they're going to be the final ones I play with my band for a while. I really need a break. Um, so I want to capture those, but then try something new um, that we've never done before. So we talked about a long-form documentary. We talked about doing something fictional, and we just kind of kept looking at different options there. But the idea was that he said, you know, I cook from scratch live on stage every night, and I don't think people really understand how that works. And he says, if you can demonstrate that somehow in the film, that would be great. And so we went from there. So was there, there was a was there a period of kind of feeling out? How- how that his process mm-hmm. worked, and then you filming it um was that just a did you feel like a quick study on that or did was I'm sure there was a lot of interaction between the two of you on that, but how yeah, the film was very collaborative, you know um it was a commission from the beginning and a collaboration almost until the end um so we we knew we only had six or seven weeks to prepare for those shows. Mm-hmm. And during that time, we, we prepared for the shows with teams and, and cameras. We shot with five cameras and a lot of anticipation. But also we started talking about what form the film should take. And we even I remember we rode our bikes to go see um, A Hard Day's Night because it's one of my favorite music films. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about our other 
favorite music films. We both really love um, Jazz on a Summer's Day and um, the Woodstock film. I started to feel that because um, I was making a film about a multi-instrumentalist who plays with multi-instrumentalists, that I needed to start establishing a style or a way to deliver a lot of information without creating um, an, an information specific film mm-hmm. and it started up being more of a mood film um and ultimately a film about the creative process but i'd known andrew at that point for about eight years i think and so yeah for about eight years so for yeah, me that's... he he doesn't carry a lot of mystery actually um um i knew him very well i'd toured with him we'd been friends for a very long time so um you know i, I when he asked me to make the film i was actually very busy and i said no um I just wanted to work on other stuff. I'd already started the film that I'm making now. And halfway home on my bicycle that day, I just was like, damn, I have to do this because I know a lot about this subject. I have a lot of opinions about how it should be done. Um, And I think that's incredibly helpful if you already know your subject very well. You can already approach it. You can already be several steps ahead of the audience um, and even the subject of the film, which I feel that I was. Well, and and to your point, um, it does feel like Andrew is a very transparent person. He seemed very open in the film. Uh, uh, very, I'm, I'm sure he's he's an intense about his work, which he did. He he mm-hmm. seems in the film, but in in his sure. interactions with people, it, it seemed very uh, easy to to navigate. Uh, whatever challenges might have presented themselves, and or sort of uh, you know things that come up that you just can't anticipate. You just seem like it'd be... Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, what I love about this film is that um, people are very divided when they come out of it. Um, Some people say, wow, that was so intimate. I learned so much. I felt so much. He seemed so available and free and that kind of stuff. And I have other people who come out of it and say, wow, I didn't learn anything about him, but I spent 80 minutes with him and how does that work, and why didn't he tell us more and share more? Huh. And I, I love that there's a mixed response. It just depends on um, the person, really. Um, a lot of people complain that he doesn't share his life statistics with you, and I knew that that wouldn't really be available, and that wasn't something we would focus on. And that ultimately, you know, the Internet is for statistics or <laughs> whether or not they're accurate. But you can go to the Internet and study about where he was born and, and on what day and that kind of stuff. But yeah. nobody gets to spend 80 minutes with him. And that was something we really tried to find. I knew that that was my advantage. Was like, nobody has access to him like this. He's incredibly private. And when people complain about not having learned a lot about him, I say, you know what is a little bit for you is tons for him. It's a tremendous amount for him. And that's as far as we could take it. And I even took him beyond his, his level of personal comfort with sharing with this film. So um, I like that it becomes kind of a mood ring for the viewer, yeah. ultimately. Well, and uh, for me, I felt like I got to mm-hmm. know what I needed to know about him as an artist, his process. Awesome. It, and And I don't, you know, all the rest of it, I mean... Uh, it comes through in his work. I don't have, in, you know, the, the need to know the kind of minutia and or, you know, intimate details about somebody's life really uh, is is a distraction. Uh, and it's about right. what's in his in his work. And I love I love this kind of an artist. Uh, 
uh, and there are others besides Andrew, but I, I think of Juana Molina, who does a very similar sort of work, mm-hmm. where it's very spontaneous, on stage, creating this creative process, not only in the making of his albums, but also in a concert. You, I would assume you're never going to hear the same concert twice with with Andrew Bird, and um, I it's really... It's pretty much love... guaranteed in the film, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a great... what a, And the ability to, on the fly, uh, to be able to create and have the confidence and uh, faith in his is in his collaborators on stage in order to do that is is really remarkable and for me that's the guts of the film is watching people create art in front of your uh, in front of your eyes and and in a such a beautiful way uh, it's just remarkable and he'd really spent so much time you know assembling that group so carefully handpicked over time and and that was a lot of what he, he came to me that first day with which is like I really cherish these people yeah. they're great artists um, we've just had a really intense, crazy year together. Yeah. We're at the top of our game together. We're really sounding like we know what we're doing, but we're still taking risks. Can you capture that? And I said, yeah. Well, first I said no, and then I said, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah I think those guys are all just beautiful musicians. It was a great pleasure even to edit, you know, that film. So We're speaking with uh, Zan Aranda, the uh, director of, of uh, Andrew Bird Fever Year. It's uh, going to be screening... Uh, well, today is uh, March 29th, thank you, uh, mm-hmm. and on April um, 4th, I Fourth. Mean, yeah, at the mm-hmm. Orange County Museum of Modern Art here in um, Orange County, Newport Beach, uh, as presented by the Newport Beach Film Festival, April 4th at 8 o'clock at the Orange County Museum of Modern Art, uh, which is right there in Fashion Island. I believe it's still still there, right? Do you, I'll, anyway. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I know. I do. I do know. But I'll, yes. But I'll be there no. On Thursday. no. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out. But it's right here in Newport Beach, and uh, it's a really, it's right. a beautiful spot. Um, uh, and uh, so check this out. It uh, you'll be there in person uh, to uh, for yeah, the screening. Yeah, I'm honored to um, join everybody on Thursday, April 4th at, at Oakma. Um, I believe the film opens tonight in San Diego at the Frequency Film Festival. It runs again a week from Saturday, so Saturday the 6th in San Diego. I'll be there for the closing night of of Frequency Film Festival. It's also showing in Lansing, Michigan um, very soon, um, Kansas City, and a couple of other places. So People can visit uh, feveryear.com, and we're always adding new dates. This is a festivals-only film. And so it's important that people step out to see it on the big screen with us because it's not available on VOD or iTunes or theaters otherwise. And and I I would uh, echo that sentiment. Uh, I uh, as as you recommend, uh, is, uh, watch it with headphones. We see it on a big screen. You need to in, because. Uh, much of the film is is on stage or collaboration backstage events sometimes with his, with uh, uh, Ann Clark from St. Vincent uh, and others. Just the whole idea, and it's great. It's you know you get a great job with the concert footage. Um, how many cameras? Thank you. How many cameras does you have working usually on the concert? Footage? We did five cameras on the uh, on the concert. It's actually two concerts reconstituted as one. So five cameras. Um, Peter Gilbert, who's um, uh, dear friend of mine who's, uh, you know, a veteran cinematographer um, here in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went to Peter and I said, I've never shot a live show before, but I know these shows very well. What can we do? And so Peter was incredibly generous with me and just guiding me through that process. Um, I could not have made the film without him. And he's, you know, one of the makers of Hoop Dreams and mm-hmm. um, just very active on the independent filmmaking scene and commercial scene. So 
Peter was really generous with me on that. And um, so we set up five cameras, five oper- uh, four operators. We couldn't afford the fifth operator, so we had a, a what I call a drone up in the balcony. We had an intern up there uh, making sure it didn't get stolen. And then, um, yeah, we went from there. Three yeah. shows, and I, I directed all the cameras from the side of the stage with monitors. It's um, just beautiful. It's a beautiful. Yeah, and um, by you. the way, uh, just for our listeners, I, I'm I'm an Andrew Bird fan, so I may be taking for granted here. I want to describe a little bit about uh, Andrew as a as a as an artist. Uh, give us a little bit sure. of background for people who may not be as familiar. Sure, and that's what I try to do with the film is give people a film that would be a great introduction to him. So if you've never heard his music before, um, it's still a good. Film to see. I had an audience in Sonoma County last weekend that um, you know half of them had never heard of him and walked out just kind of fascinated. But Andrew is um, definitely kind of a one of a kind uh, musician. Um, grew up playing violin, is classically trained, um, and then you know through the years has built his own career. You know nobody gave him that career. He built it slowly by touring relentlessly for over a decade. And just slowly building his audience, but he, you know, in his late 20s, developed this kind of more singular style after really studying many other different forms of uh, music, um, where he started to really reach out more into his own style of violin playing, but he, he's a multi-instrumentalist. He'll play um, the guitar, you know, and the violins, and then he'll play the violin with the guitar slung around his back. Mm-hmm. Um, he loops all of those sounds live through um, what's called a line six pedal. And then um, he does what we call the glock and whistle, which is he will play the glock and spiel and whistle at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people will be surprised to hear that, you know, on some of his albums, if you hear piano playing, he's playing the piano. So he's just all in, and then he writes his own music there. Okay. Beautiful. And, um, again, I mean, there's echoes of his... I, there's a number of people that he... He's. I mean, don't diminish him as a singular artist here, but I mean, there are people that I'm reminded of when I'm watching him. And as I mentioned, mm-hmm. Juana Molina does very similar work. Uh, if you're if you're familiar with her work, uh, where she'll mm-hmm. she'll create loops and play off of them. Um, but also, yeah, but a lot of great people use the looping techniques, which I think has brought a lot of freedom to them. And I think it's interesting that the looping has become so popular in the last five to seven years. Also, while the landscape of you know, music and film distribution has become even more equal opportunity. Yeah. I think things have become more yeah. individualized in a way that's pretty exciting for artists. Yeah, there's a and there's a little echo for me of uh, the early work of Laurie Anderson and his work as well. It's very free form. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of just interesting sounds that he brings into his recordings, and I just I love that. I just love that sort of organic feel, and that's what this to me this music has a, a very organic feel to it. Um, this feels and again created much of it obviously in concert almost exclusively uh, as a uh, as a free form kind of the the songs become platforms for exploration of other other music and uh, it's just very well done uh, and let's get, talk a little bit about the distribution of the film because as you mentioned it's not a VOD or an iTunes available what was that process was this something you and Andrew talked about or is this something you wanted to do in terms of how you mark or marketing the film and getting it out to the public talk a little bit about that um, yeah not at all it's an extremely uh, rare situation um, in which the original plan was for um, full distribution of the film, DVDs and theatrical, and we've had great offers for broadcasts. But, you know, by the end, I think the film had come into its own strength and become, 
something that even though Andrew had collaborated on it, um, just felt was became, had become too painful a record of his um, really tough year. Yeah. I don't know that for sure. I don't know exactly the motivations, but ultimately he owns the film, and it was his decision to not release it beyond festivals. Okay. Um, okay which was um, rough for me and my team to take. This is very much a Chicago export. You know, so many great people worked on it for free and put their hearts and soul into it. But for me, the lemonade of that is that, you know, we spent so much great money and human energy to to work on the sound and on the vision for the film. And so if you step out of your house and you go see it on a big screen, bigger than your body, mm-hmm. um, with surround sound, um, you're seeing it as close to our original intent as we meant, and I think that's really important. Um, I always joke around that the film is like a big musical hot tub, and if you just really <laughs> get in and let it wash over you, you know, there, there can be some biorhythmic changes, I think, sometimes in the body from watching the film. But yeah. the other thing, too, is that if you step out of your house and you go to your local film festival or your local museum to see my film, um, you're supporting your local arts organization, and they are almost always struggling nonprofit orgs. So, to me, you know, the film kind of belongs to the earth now. Mm-hmm. You know, it belongs to the people because mm-hmm. it's actively pirated online. It's a terrible looking file, but um, if you see it on the big screen, it's it's beautiful, and that's its original intent. And you, you honor our work by seeing it that way. So. It, it is. I, let me echo that as well. It is a beautiful film. It's beautiful. Just Thank the, you. the concert footage, but the the footage of him um, on the road and back at his place, his his farm and farmhouse, and uh, just just a. I, I just love this movie. I, and I uh, I I'm, uh, urge anyone within the sound of my voice. Uh, 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 <laughs> to go to see this uh, this coming Thank Thursday, you. Orange County Museum of Modern Art. Uh, Zan Aranda will be their director. Will be there to um, assume questions and answers and all kinds of stuff that'll yeah. be going on. Uh, so I think she does a, a balloon animal act as well. So it'll be it'll, it'll be a great <laughs> evening of unentertainment. Hands lots of hands <laughs> <laughs> So uh, my my congratulations. And in like one the one minute I think I have left with you um, is uh, mm-hmm. the Mormon movie you're working on. Tell me you're working on another project right now, and I want to let people know that it's coming or it's in process. How's that Thank going? Thank you. Yeah, Mormon movie is what we're, we're calling it now. When it comes out in a year and a half, we'll have um, probably a different title for it. Okay. But, I was inspired by um, religious educational films my mother started when she was a student at Brigham Young University in the 1960s. And um, in the 1950s, the Mormon Church founded a motion picture studio that started creating kind of epic dramas and cautionary tales and things to influence and shape Mormon lives. Um, The film is also, through those films, we take out themes and, um, you know, subject matter that's fold into our lives. I left the religion 16 years ago, mm-hmm. um, so the film very much looks at what it means to leave your community, um, otherwise I'd be fifth-generation Mormon. Mm-hmm. So you learn, a, it's kind of what we think of as the first independent look at what Mormons believe, but through the unfolding lives of real people, um, the metamorphosis of the church and the, the beliefs and mm-hmm. things like that. So um, we're working on it now. I just got home from shooting, and after I leave the Orange County Museum of Art, I'll go to San Diego and shoot for a couple more days. So Excellent. we're Excellent. in active production now. All right, real quick, uh, you got any? Are you, are you Kickstarter on this, or you got financing? You need any help? I mean, or maybe you're... Well, here's the thing, is we had a really great Kickstarter campaign last fall. It is an independent film. Yeah. Donations to the film are um, tax-deductible. Um, we've been offering people 
you can host a home viewing um, party of Andrew Bird Fever Year in your home and invite friends. Um, basically, we're doing what's called, you know like a little performance license. Um, if you make a donation to my film, you can visit feveryear.com or zanaranda.com for more details. But you can um, get permission to screen the film at your house and throw a little party and support my new film um, yeah. as we move forward. Outstanding. Please come back when when that's ready to go or any any time. I I, I, I really you. really enjoy this work. I, uh, I, I I all the best on this uh, on Andrew. Uh, Andrew Bird Fever Year, as well as uh, the untitled Mormon film so far. So good, right? Here we go. Thank, yeah, thank, thank you so much. Thank you, and uh, um, we'll see you soon. Take care. See you Thursday. All Thanks. right. Yes. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.